It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? Well, Anchor FM might be just what you need to do so. It's a free podcast distribution platform with creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you wish to do so. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more other platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 37 of the Savage and Credit Sports podcast, the Patrice Bergeron episode, the legend Patrice Bergeron himself, episode 37. We have some breaking news on in multiple sports to start. Um, first and foremost, the the San Francisco 49ers just about 10, 15 minutes ago traded into the top three, taking the the third overall pick from the Miami Dolphins in a I think it's safe to say an unexpected blockbuster move. Ryan, I mean, like I think we just gotta like not beat around the bush and just get into it. Like <laughs> the 49ers just randomly on a Friday afternoon, just traded into the top three. Yeah. I mean, out of nowhere, um, a little surprising. Cause I mean, we've heard some rumors around the 49ers, you know, the talks of keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. Will they trade Jimmy Garoppolo? You and I just talked about it before we got on. And um, I think this has to cement that I know that Schefter just had a report saying that, the 49ers are still going to hold on to Garoppolo. Uh, I feel like no one should, and no one is believing that because you don't, you just said it to me. You don't trade up to three to draft a wide receiver, even though this is a pretty good wide receiver class. Um, I said it to you. I don't think they're trading up to three to get uh, Penny Sewell because they have a pretty good line already. I mean, 
if you draft him, that's good depth, obviously, and you could probably fit him right in. But the 49ers have had a pretty good offensive line for the last couple of years. They just re-signed as a Trent Williams. Their yeah. big tackle they had to a massive contract. So you kind of shirt up one major piece of your line there. Like to me, and there's reports out there too now today that the Jets are kind of locked in on Zach Wilson. Obviously, we know Trevor Lawrence is 99.9% going to go to the Jaguars at one. 100%. All right, we'll say 100%. I think we could say 100%. All right, fair enough. But, I mean, I don't know. I see this deal, and I'm like, all right, you you don't trade up. They're not going to take pits. Like, they're not going to take a tight end at three. They have arguably the best tight end in football right now in Kittle. So, like, this to me, he screams the 49ers traded up. They're going to go after a quarterback, whether that's uh, Fields, whether that's Lance. Uh, maybe they get crazy and draft Mac Jones at three. I don't see that happening. That would be kind of idiotic in my opinion. I feel like you could agree there because you're not too yeah, high on would, him to begin be with. Ridiculously dumb. But that's what I mean. Like, there's no other position I feel like this team desperately needs. I mean, they don't desperately need a quarterback, but like, I don't know. I feel like this is a move to to definitely draft up and take a quarterback. And the trade, I don't know if you you said it when we kind of jumped right into it here, but the Dolphins, as you mentioned, are trading three. Uh, the third overall pick, the yeah. 49ers, for the number 12 overall pick, a 2021 third-round pick, uh, San Francisco's comp pick from Robert, uh, the Robert Sella hiring for the Jets, and then uh, a first round, two first-round picks, one in the 2022 season and one in the 2023 season. So a massive deal. Um, I don't know. We're talking about this, obviously, because it's big news. It could have some ramifications on the Patriots because there are reports out there um, from Diana Rossini of ESPN. She – was on get up yesterday uh, talking about some Jimmy Garoppolo stuff. Her quote was just recently, I was talking to somebody in the league who I really trust. He's got good information. He said, do not take the Jimmy Garoppolo trade off, off the table. Uh, That's something new England has still been sniffing out. I don't know about you, but I feel like, like I said, I know that Schefter just had her tweet out there that said that, as I mentioned that the 49ers plan on holding on to Garoppolo. It would not surprise me if by the end of today, maybe depending on how long we go here, if, by the end of the show today, we could see Jimmy Garoppolo on the move. And I feel like, especially now, oh, if they're going to draft a quarterback at three, the Patriots should maybe be in on this. Because like I said, Rossini's had – she's a solid reporter. She's been right plenty of times before on some big things, some, uh, some big rumors. So, I don't know. I, I just don't – you mentioned it to me beforehand that you could see them drafting a quarterback at three and then having Garoppolo and kind of just yeah, having they- – I mean, they're not going to come out. They're not going to come out and say the information is not going to come out that you know they're trading Jimmy Garoppolo right after this. That just that just wouldn't make sense unless they had a deal in place. They're True. not going to just come out and say we're moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo and he's still in the organization. But it just it just has to scream to you with the with the depth of this quarterback class and them trading up so so highly that they're going to draft a QB. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, I think there's a chance they hold on to Jimmy for a year. And I, the consensus for a while now has been Zach Wilson at two, but you know, the jets could throw people off and take Lance or take fields who knows. But I mean, whether at three say Lawrence and Wilson go first two, whether at three, they decide to go Lance or fields, they could just let him chill for a year behind Jimmy Garoppolo, or they take over mid season, whatever. And then they do what they feel is necessary with Jimmy Garoppolo, or they really do live up to their word and, somehow not take a QB here. <laughs> that's that's still possible. I don't think it's tremendously likely to, despite the reports coming out about them, you know, planning to hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't know. This whole thing is crazy, but um, 
yeah, I think this whole situation with them saying they're holding on to Jimmy Garoppolo um, keeps still doesn't rule them out of taking a guy like Lancer Fields. It's a mm-hmm. it's it's a crazy situation. I mean, there was reason to expect the the 49ers to want to trade up, jump leapfrog somebody, but I don't know if anybody expected it this soon. Yeah, all the way up to and three as high too. up to three. Yeah. Maybe you know a little a little more be a little more tame about it, maybe sixth overall, whatever. Um, not to say the Eagles is just like a, a reference, like a little, not as high is my point as mm-hmm. three overall. Um, but wow, they really just turned the turn Twitter on its head here. And as you know, the big t- viral tweet going around now is that the Dolphins have now basically turned Laramie Tunsil, who they traded to Houston into four first round picks and a third round picks. That's uh, pretty swift work by the Dolphins. And um, this is wacky, man. Definitely did not expect to see this today. Yeah, this was a shocker to say the least. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to bring up the Watson thing again because we talked about that a little bit last week. But And obviously the 49ers very early on were linked to him. I wonder if maybe some things get cleared up with Watson if trading this high up might put the 49ers in a move. And I'm just speculating here, but like maybe the 49ers made this move in case things – don't end up as being as dark as they are with Deshaun Watson right now. Um, if they try to make a run at him potentially draft night, maybe, maybe some things go their way, but I don't know. I'm just speculating. Like I, I I'm with you. I find it a little, little strange that they made this move today kind of out of nowhere. I feel like there wasn't really any reports that the dolphins were looking to trade out of three or cause I mean, you and I both kind of predicted they would, or you especially thought they would kind of take Suell or maybe take one of the wide receivers. It's supposed to go pretty high in the draft, but. Yeah, I mean, this was surprising to say the least. I'm right there with you. On a day yes, where, we were, sure where we were supposed to start with recap on the Celtics trade deadline and preview in the Red Sox, we'd get turned on our heads. and Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, like I said, quick hitters there. Some other, some other news to get to um, since we're kind of flipping the outline on its head with some breaking news and turning mm-hmm. things around. Um, since we talked about the Frozen Four last week, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, Michigan had a positive COVID case. Um, like Notre Dame earlier in the week, BC advanced as a result of that. Minnesota Duluth, who would have been their opponent, uh, advances in the NCAA ice hockey tournament as a result. It's a shame. There's a lot of good draft eligible players on Michigan uh, for recent first round picks. Um, a solid team would have been fun to watch, but unfortunately, we will not be able to. And the draft eligible seasons for some of those top young players are now over. So we got two two bits of breaking news to start the um, to start the uh, podcast today. Mm-hmm. It's always good to have it break beforehand, and not then after. after or right in the dying seconds of when we're closing up, like the Gordon Hayward stuff did a while back. Um, but just quickly back, because obviously there are some some Patriots things as I said we wanted to get to. Um, we'll kind of recap the one Bruins game in a second. But um, oh my god, what? I'm sorry. I just. I ju- I just got followed on Twitter by someone named Craddy Patty twenty five, and I thought somebody like made an account about me or something. What the hell? It's no, it's just a person that I assume is the last name Craddy. I was really confused. I like saw it pop up on my phone, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was so confused there for a second. Like, wait, what's going on here? But apparently, there's another Craddy out there that saw my account. Hmm, there's an interesting tweet I just saw from Michael Michael Lombardi talking about Jimmy Garoppolo which is kind of contradicting everything everybody else has said that I've seen. 16 minutes ago, Lombardi just said, Jimmy G will be heading out soon. Don't forget he has a no-trade clause. So that's a little interesting. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just said Schefter said he's going to stick potentially with San Francisco now. I mean, that's definitely an interesting thing that will be monitored over the next coming days. And like I said, it would not surprise me at all if by the end of today, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing for a new team. Oh, God. Like I said, Alec, I don't know. Alex Barth from the Sports Hub just tweeted out a poll that he deleted. Mm-hmm. It's still showing up on my feed. Would you rather trade 15 overall for Jimmy G or draft Mac Jones at 15? Um, I'd rather do neither, Alex. Yeah, I can. <laughs> can I get a third option there? Yeah, p- please, no. Please, no. Please, no. I, like I mean, Jimmy if I had G, to pick, I, like I think I would lean towards Jones at 15 just because I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo was worth a first-round pick. Like, yeah, I don't think either. That's not too far-fetched to pick. say. Yeah, But uh, they're also in much different situations. Very true. At this point in their careers, but wow, that's a that's a poll and a half. Yeah, I'm not it's sure why he one. deleted it. Maybe there's a typo that I didn't see. Maybe he's fixing Maybe. a typo. Who knows? Um, yeah, man, yeah. what a start! What a start! I mean, what a start to the afternoon. Happy yeah. Friday! Absolutely Some news dropping on you. <laughs> Speaking of Friday, I mean, yeah. If you're wondering, some people might see this uh, posted today and be like, "Oh, why are they dropping the podcast on a Friday?" Ryan can explain if you didn't already know. No, I'm just busy on Sunday. I don't think we need to go into too much explanation. Yeah. So yeah, I just figured we clear it up for anybody who didn't know. True. Might as well. But uh, yeah, like we clued at earlier, we are flipping the outline today. We're going to talk about Celtics first, but um, we have some Bruins stuff and some Patriots stuff that aren't as extensive as our Celtics and Red Sox discussions for today's show. So we'll mm-hmm. get into those first. The Bruins played last night against the Islanders, and um, they lost, believe it or not, against the Islanders. But this one was painful in a different way a different way two nothing lead and of all people carson coolman and stephen camphor score the goals because, talk about secondary scoring yeah secondary scoring how about that um unfortunately they squandered the lead after that i mean it just felt like for a while you know they scored those two goals the islanders were buzzing a little bit they scored that first goal. You're like, okay, you're a little worried. But then for the majority of time after that, in between their first and second goals of the game, to me, I tweeted this out, it just kind of felt like it was inevitable that the Islanders were going to tie it at two, and they did. It's a shame because, uh, you know, getting up 2 nothing on one of the best teams in hockey is not easy to do, and it's awesome to do in front of your fans, which was cool. It's cool to see Carson Coleman walking them back and Stephen Camper, both first goals of the season for both of them. Um, McAvoy and assists on both goals. That's good. Artis Bjork got on the board with a point. David Krejci building on his assist, his season full of assists because that's what David Krejci is doing this year. He's not, not having the best luck getting on the board. And Ryan, take a wild guess. Take a wild guess. This can't go unmentioned. That's even a word. Guess who scored the first goal for the Islanders? Uh, the only person I would guess would be Barzal. Pajot. J.G. Uh, Pajot, old friend. Old friend. J.G. Pajot, old friend. He just loves tormenting the Bruins. Josh Bailey tied it up. Um, yeah, so things become less than ideal once they tie it back up. Then Oliver Wallstrom makes it worse in the third period. Late in the third period. Things are looking a little bit a little bit dire. It looks like you might not even get the loser point. And then Charlie Coyle, Arnold Bjork, Chris Wagner are out there. Chris Wagner is battling along the boards. Charlie Coyle ends up um, 
with the puck, makes a nice play around the net, finds a wide open Bjork in front of the net. Bjork buries it. He's screaming his face off afterwards. Super pumped. 2.9 for him. That was awesome to see, by the way. And it's tied. And the Bruins get the loser point, but that's all they get as the Islanders score 21 seconds into overtime and play spoiler on a potential rally from the Bruins late after losing their 2-0 lead to begin with. It was back and forth, teeter-tarter game. The one shining moment is getting the loser point because points are so important. I wrote about um, how points are so crucial in such a unique type of season uh, yesterday on uh, Black and Gold. You can check that out. You can check my Twitter if you haven't read it. But uh, with a game like this, you hope that it's there's not much negative besides the loss sometimes, but there was. Tuka Rask hurt again. Not ideal. Left at the end of the first period. Yarrow came in. Hopefully it's nothing too long-term for Tuka because, uh, you know, obviously he's Tuka Rask. And not having him has not been fun this season when it has happened. How did you feel about that overtime winner? Because, uh, yikes, that's I don't know if they could have lost an overtime worse than that. I saw the highlight because I was at work, so I missed the majority of the game. I was watching yeah. the highlights on the NHL app. Um, the goal allowed by Halak, absolutely weak. Like that, I'm watching that was bad. And then the other question I had, and because uh, when I watched the highlight, it was on the Islanders. I think it was their broadcast crew that had it. Uh, they even said it, made a comment. What the hell is, I get Grizzlick, but I don't understand Coyle and Bjork out of the gate in overtime. Like I, the announcers, like I said, even said it. They, I think the comment they made was like, oh, interesting call here by Bruce Cassidy to not go with their big guns. And I think they got yeah. cut off in the middle of that because that's when the goal happened. I saw that. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like I get, you just kind of outlined it that Bjork and Coyle had a nice goal at the, or a nice play to get Bjork the goal at the end of, or in the third, but what's it was Bergeron and Marchand and McAvoy, like in the bathroom or something during overtime. Like what the hell? I think it, it was definitely a weird decision, whether it, whether it worked out or not, which obviously it didn't work out. It was an interesting decision. It didn't work, but uh, I think they they, they just wrote, they just wrote the hot hand and, um, the Islanders took advantage really quickly. It was a really nice playoff the draw. When you're playing a team um, you haven't beaten in, what, four tries now this season? And yeah. I think you go with your main guys in that situation. Yeah, you got to give credit to the Islanders, too, in this situation. I think they, you know, had that drawn up to some extent, if not fully. And they executed. And I'm, sh- I'm sure they weren't anticipating the puck leaking through Yarrow like that for Anthony Bovillier to bury it so mm-hmm. seamlessly. But, um yeah, pretty well executed by them. Good speed by Nick Letty to make it all happen uh, from center ice. And a quick overtime loss for the Bruins. But like we said, getting the loser point at least is something positive to take out of this. Um, I was going to segue into this earlier, but um, or after the Rask news about him you know, being injured again. But Carson Kuhlman. Carson Kuhlman took a slap shot from the worst person on the ice to take a slap shot from off the back of the hand. From Ryan Pulock. Ryan Pulock has been clocking in at over 100 miles per hour in a slap shot since he was like 19 or 20. And now he's older than that. I don't know his age off the top of my head, but bear with me here. Carson Kuhlman takes a slap shot from him. Reasonably hurt. I mean, that's, like I said, the worst person on the ice you can take a slap shot from. Um, just came out recently. Bruce Cassie said that Kuhlman went to get an MRI on his injured hand today. Uh, wasn't able to even hold a stick today. He's out tomorrow. Tuka Rask is out for the weekend. Zach Senishin felt good today. 
at practice. So he might replace Kuhlman. So I'd love to see Zach Senishin in, in a perfect world to replace Carson Kuhlman. That would, um, wouldn't be the worst thing ever. Good to see Senishin hopefully get another shot in the absence of Kuhlman, but a weird game, a back and forth game. And, um, another loss against the Islanders. This team just, there's always, there's different teams with this, with this organization over the past years for a little while. I don't know how many people might remember this. Maybe you put it in the back of your mind and repressed it because you didn't want to remember it, but the hurricanes for a little while were another team for a few years, a little while back that just had the Bruins number. And, uh, nowadays the Islanders, it sucks, (laughs) but that's life, baby. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel about the Bruins? Do you, you know, has, has anything from our discussion last week about them making trades, has anything changed for you on like your outlook of the season going forward? I know we don't have a lot to go off of mm-hmm. uh, from last week till now because of the COVID pause, but uh, how do you feel about this team right now? I joked at work last night, and this is not a knock on to grasp by any means. It may come off as one, but I was joked with a buddy of mine is uh, we talked about, you know, and it's been talked about a lot. Do they need to trade for a score? Do they need to trade for a defenseman? Do they need to trade for a goalie? Because this is the second injury now to Rask in the last couple of weeks. So I don't know if the concern should be high there or not. But I don't know how confident, God forbid, you know, he has to, he struggles with an injury for the rest of the season. How confident we're going to be in uh, Halak and Vladar tandem in the playoffs again. Yeah. So it's a, if it's a something- minor move should be made there just to kind of, like give you some insurance with the goaltending. Like obviously Halak's been good this season, so you don't need a, a crazy move to go out and get another starter. But like, I don't know if that should be something in the back of uh, Sweeney's mind that maybe I have to go out and get, or maybe this does make him go out and now get another defenseman because you're unsure of the goaltending situation and you, you need to have more of a kind of brick wall in yeah. front. But I don't and know. I mean, just... like you said, it's one game, so I don't have too much to go off of after the comments we had on Sunday. Yeah, Fair minimum, you know, a big narrative amongst the fan base lately has been, you know, why are they targeting a defenseman when they need scoring? Um, defense also helps. I get scoring being the priority, but um, a guy like Matthias Ekholm is a guy you should target when he is available, which he is right now. So, yeah, that's why they're targeting a defenseman because it's Matthias Ekholm and he could fit really well on this team. And even if the health situation were better, um, you obviously want to have a good defensive situation in front of your goalies, but even if the health situation were better, you want that. And now that you don't have that with the, you know, this, the situation with Rask, you never know if, you know, this is going to be a nagging thing. Like you mentioned, you want to bulk up that defense, maybe if you can within reason and Ekholm's the top guy to do that on the trade market with right now. Mm-hmm. So, but re- referencing back to my article from yesterday, I wrote a little bit about Victor Iverson too. If you can get both of them in the same deal, Victor Iverson has multiple 30 goal seasons and a 29 goal season under his belt. You get him too. If you can, if you can make it all work with your expansion draft plans and salary cap, stuff like that, you get it done because not only is Victor Iverson had two 30 goal seasons in a 29, he scored a few years ago. He had 34 goals in 58 games. That just stands out a little more to me. Does it stand out a little more to you? Cause it I'd should. say so. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, if you can do it, do it. I mean, you just can't be complacent. You can't you can't be scared this year. You need to bulk up this team. You can't walk in on chance and hope to make a run. That's just a fact. 
But uh, next up for the Bruins, they have the Sabres. It's a theme we've been talking about lately. They have all these games against the Sabres uh, tomorrow at 1 p.m. So that's a, that's a chance to bounce back. And the Devils. You've had a little bit of trouble with the Devils. You have two with them after the Sabres on Sunday and Tuesday. So these are three win- really winnable games coming up. Really, really winnable games. It's just a matter of whether they will or not. Mm-hmm. That's what it always comes down to with a season like this with the Bruins. Uh, following that, you have the Penguins twice, um, Thursday and Saturday. And then following week, you have the Flyers who you've beaten up on a couple times. So hopefully they can turn it around and um, hopefully they can make some moves because the trade deadline is April 12th, by the way, for anybody who doesn't know. So I did not know that. Get some and done. This ain't enough. Mm-hmm. Need them to get there. Need Don Sweeney to get there. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, before we transition back into, because like I said, we there were some Patriots signings. Uh, I'm – just confused of what's going on in the NFL right now, because as of six minutes and now seven minutes ago, uh, the dolphins traded back into the top 10. This is from the official page of the Philadelphia Eagles on Twitter it says uh, trade. The Eagles have traded uh, picks number six and number 156 overall to the dolphins in exchange for number 12, number 123 overall in a 2022 uh, first round pick. And then Ian Rappaport followed that up with kind of an interesting tweet because uh, we talked about Zach Wilson potentially at two to the Jets. Rappaport said the Eagles tried to trade up to number three, but they would only do it for Zach Wilson per source. Uh, instead, they back out, get an extra first rounder, and continue to build. So I don't know if the NFL is trying to follow up the NBA yesterday with their trade deadline, and now teams are making trades left and right here, but another pretty substantial trade. Like I said, the Dolphins jumped back into the top 10 after they just dealt three to San Francisco. Uh, so teams are making moves here. Yeah. Which um, is very surprising to see. If one wasn't enough, now we have two. <laughs> yeah. What is going on? Like, <laughs> I do not know. This yeah, is so... really weird for the Eagles because I I genuinely don't understand this for the Eagles. Oh, why, they're, would they're getting... why would you have taken, like, Wilson? That doesn't make it. You just... Obviously, Joe Flacco is nothing to write home about, but like you just signed him. You still have uh, Hertz as your starting quarterback that everybody seems to think they're going to roll with this season. So if, if they made that trade to three to draft Wilson, like one, why? And two, who the hell are the Jets taking it to if Wilson, if they thought Wilson was going to fall to three? Because like I said earlier, every consensus I've seen seems to think Wilson's going two to New York. Yeah, that's probably what will happen. Craziness going on in the NFL right now. Phil Yates, just for people who want to keep track of it, has the updated draft order. Jaguars are still picking at one. Jets are still at two. As we know, the 49ers are now at three. Falcons are still at four. Bengals five. Dolphins six. Lions seven. Panthers eight. Broncos nine. Cowboys ten. Giants 11. And the Eagles now sit at 12 after that deal. And who knows? Maybe some other team will leapfrog somebody else and we'll have another deal in five minutes that we can break. We need a breaking news sounder at this point, the way today's going. We have some more breaking news. Yeah. Back to hockey. Uh, Bemidji State is up 2 nothing on number um, one seed Wisconsin that, in the tournament. Uh, I guess that's breaking news. If it's... It is. Wisconsin is very good this year. If they lose to Bemidji State, that would be wacky. That would be wacky. They're losing 2 Wisconsin is losing 2 nothing. According to Chris Peters, not only are they losing 2 nothing, the Beavers are looking sharp early. The Beavers being Bemidji State. The Badgers not. 
full marks to Bemidji for pouncing on pucks all over the ice. Looks like uh, Wisconsin might have come out a little bit snoozy today. Wow, we are we are off to we are off to a start. We are off to a wild start today. Mm-hmm. I can't believe the Eagles traded out of six. I know. I guess I I can believe they traded out of it. I can't believe they tried to get up to three to draft a quarterback. So I I don't really understand this. They try to trade up to three. They can't do it. So they trade down. They trade out. Yeah, that doesn't. Like, did they really think I mean, they're going to get that, Zach Wilson that bad that they're like, oh, we can't get Zach Wilson. We might as well just accrue more picks. Maybe. That's what everybody seems. Every tweet I've read so far seems to think that's what the Eagles wanted to just get that extra pick. Yeah. That's what Rappaport has here. The Dolphins give themselves maximum, maximum flexibility for number three to 12 to six, but many more picks. The 49ers get the quarterback of the future, and the Eagles get ammo to build for the future. So, I mean, I credit guess, to the Dolphins. Like, yeah. My word, what a what a day! Like two two trades. You trade out of the top ten, then you trade back in. I mean, that just before the like the draft is still a good decent time away. Like this is like unheard of. That's like I just it's another tweet from Schefter. This is a good point too. He says so the Dolphins are back in the top six, and the Eagles have an extra first round pick next year, and could have three firsts next year if Carson Wentz if the Carson Wentz pick from the Colts turns into one. Of course, that was the yeah. Uh, that was the kind of you know thing on him too when he was traded in Indianapolis. So I think what they have to make the playoffs if and that turns into a first round pick. I, I think is so, one of yeah. the yeah. So I mean that hell that could be very well possible. Team was a playoff team last year with Philip Rivers. As yeah, Phil. So. Uh, back to Jimmy G. Phil Perry's uh, some good points about Jimmy G. He says worth keeping in mind Jimmy Garoppolo's contract could be tough to move because of his twenty-four million dollar base salary. Yikes! Oh. Patriots have about twelve million dollars in cap space per Pat's cap. Our guy Miguel, that's the guy Miguel Benzon. We always reference for our cap uh, news for the Patriots. He's the guy to go to. Um, shout out to him. They need money for the draft class. Two million each. Two million ish, not two million each. <laughs> oh my god i'm my this all this news is all this thing yeah all the news is yep. two million ish jeez jeez and in-season spending can always create more room but require some work garoppolo would be worth a third round pick in a deal in my opinion I patriots have number that. 96 i'd be okay with giving up a third um Tannehill was dealt for a fourth and a swap of late rounders flacco went to denver for a fourth bridgewater and a sixth went to new orleans for a third and Smith went to DC, excuse me, for a third and a player. So yeah, that's that. Those are some good comparisons. Mm-hmm. I'd be okay with giving up ninety six for Jimmy G if it came down to it. Uh, but to be cliche, we'll have to wait and see because that's all we really can do. But with the, with the way things are going, we could see it pretty soon. Yeah, who the hell knows? Like yeah, I mean, what a day! What a day! Yeah. That segues, the, segues us into Patriots stuff. Pretty yeah, well, I was going to say, a lot of the stuff that we were going to talk about today, yeah, you plan to talk yeah. about before all this craziness happened. Uh, the Patriots, as I said, since we last talked on Sunday, have made some some pretty important moves. Um, the minor of the three, they brought back fullback Jacob Johnson on a one-year $850,000 deal, so obviously good to have him back. He's kind of been a, a stable fullback in uh, helping the run department. Uh, the other two bigger moves, this one kind of surprising. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I felt like – as we talked about on Sunday, I think when we heard the Tampa Bay rumor that James White was going to be gone, uh, he ends up staying on a one-year deal, uh, just under two and a half million, and then a hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars signing bonus. Uh, the other kind of running back news today, Leonard Fournette, he went back to Tampa Bay. 
Uh, so that kind of stinks. I know you wanted playoff Lenny here, but he ends up going back to uh, try to run it back with Tampa Lombardi Bay. Lenny. Lombardi, Lombardi Lenny. Lenny. Excuse me. What did I say? Playoff Lenny. It's Lombardi playoff Lenny. Lenny. I got him in uh, playoff or whatever it was, playoff Dola or whatever Danny Amendola's nickname was mixed up. But nonetheless, both running backs go back to their original teams uh, for the Buccaneers. I think that leaves just Antonio Brown as the last guy they need to bring back to completely try to run it back with their team. And then the big move that we've been waiting on for a while. Uh, good to see Lawrence Guy come back as well to the Patriots. Four years, $11.5 million on him and a $1 million signing bonus. I feel like we talked about it when David Andrews signed a cheap deal for a guy his caliber. I feel like you could say the same thing about Lawrence Guy, just $11.5 million over four years for one of the better defensive players on your team last year. And one of the better defensive players still left on the market. Um, su surprised that he came back here, especially with all the moves the Patriots made. Cause I feel like uh, when we saw the Godshaw move a couple of weeks ago, we kind of thought, well, that's the writing on the wall for Lawrence guy uh, would stink if they can't bring him back, but they end up doing so. Yeah. I think Godshaw was more so for Adam Butler. It kind of that's like with, with the David Andrews situation, um, him and Lawrence guy, pretty obviously tested the market to see what was out there, did their due diligence, cir circled back. Can't mm -hmm. blame them for that. It's good business. Why not if you have the opportunity? Uh, getting Lawrence Guy back is just massive. It's massive. You know, you have you have these new guys in the fold in that area of the defense, but having a guy that's on your all-decade team, a veteran, a reliable guy back for four years at very reasonable money is just huge. It's a no-brainer if you can get it done. And they did. I'm glad they did because Lawrence Guy outside of all the things I just mentioned, just a really easy guy to root for kind of works in silence and works very effectively in silence and gets his job done and earn this money. So I'm glad to have him back because uh, he's just awesome. And Jakob Johnson too, full back, full back news. He's back. Jakob Johnson. Get excited. Man of the people. We love a full back around here. We love bringing everybody back. back. Nope. Bit of full back news. And who knows if they're done? Like I said, we could be breaking a, maybe a Garoppolo trade later on. Yeah, but, and about uh, Lombardi Lenny, I'm happy that he's happy in Tampa. If he's not um, going to come to the Patriots. He signed cheap too, I think, didn't he? It was only one year and I think like $4 million or something. So uh, I don't know. They kind of like got him in it. I feel like they, I thought I saw that earlier. It was around four was the number. But I, yeah, I feel like a steal for him too. Kind of takes one of the better running backs, probably the best running back still on the market off it now. Um and obviously a guy the Patriots were linked to, but I think once obviously James White came back, there was really, I don't know if there was a need to bring in another running back. Maybe they'll bring in somebody smaller. I thought I saw the other day that uh, Greg Bedard of uh, the Boston Sports Journal seems to think they'll bring somebody else in. He mentioned, um, who's the running back that used to run for Pittsburgh, Kansas City? Why am I blanking on his name right now? Le'Veon Bell. Okay. Which I don't know if I would necessarily want Le'Veon Bell here, but just another name to kind of monitor there. Um, but like I said, there really wasn't, other than the, the trades that have gone on today uh, and then the one Bruins game, those were kind of the quick hitters. The meat and potatoes of the show, though, for today, Celtics talk, Red Sox talk. We'll start with Celtics because uh, less than 24 hours ago, the NBA trade deadline came and went. Celtics did make moves, surprisingly. Were you, were you surprised at the the moves they made? Were you surprised they made moves at all before we kind of jump into and recap quickly the day that uh, that happens. I'm honestly surprised they didn't get Aaron Gordon because it sounds like they built up some good traction for doing so mm -hmm. and they dropped the ball. Can't say I'm totally surprised. <laughs> Evan Fournier is good. It's not, it doesn't really jump off the page though. I think he's mm -hmm. going to help the team. It just doesn't really jump off the page as much as getting Aaron Gordon, who's a bigger name. 
you know, not everybody's would love Aaron Gordon here. I think, you know, it's not a move that popped up in the rumor mill and everybody's like, Oh yeah, jump for joy. But like, I think it got to a point where people were expecting Aaron Gordon to be the centerpiece coming to Boston from Orlando, but it ends up being Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon to the nuggets. Um, it's all right, but it just, it just doesn't move the needle that much for me. Mm-hmm. I just, it just, it's Danny Ainge. This is Danny Ainge. He just, he just underwhelms. I think this is just an underwhelming deadline. You're in and you're out. It's better. It's better than nothing. I mean, true. But, yep. You know, I having to say it's better than that. nothing is not the ideal thing to say when you're hoping to bulk up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I for something more yeah. substance. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I fully went into yesterday, and we've seen it time and time again before yesterday. Of you know how many times we sit there at the deadline, three o'clock comes around. By 3.05, you get that tweet that, oh, Danny Ainge was very close on multiple deals, but just couldn't come through with anything or couldn't, no deal ever really materialized. So I was thoroughly surprised. I mean, they jumped on the Fournier uh, thing kind of early. The deal that, that aggravated me was the first deal of the day. And obviously when you heard about, you know, all the Orlando rumors of who they were going to trade, the names that came up were Gordon, as you mentioned, went to Denver. Um me personally, I'm glad he didn't get traded to the Celtics. I didn't really want him here. I talked to you. I can't remember if I said it on air or not, but I kind of feel like he was uh, the Blake uh, Blake Griffin from a couple years ago. Didn't play a ton of defense. Shot the ball good, but not great. Mainly a dunker. Um, so yeah, I'm glad he goes out to Denver. Gordon uh, for Gary Harris, R.J. Hampton, and a first round pick. Uh, Nikola Vucevic's name was a name that did not come up a lot in trade or uh, whenever as I said, the magic were brought up. He's the first deal of the day. He ends up going to Chicago along with Alfa Roca Minu uh, for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and uh, two first-round picks, a 2021 first-round pick and a 2023 first-round pick. The problem I have with that deal is if you're the Celtics sitting there, and how many times have we heard in the past, you know, the Celtics have been linked to Vucevic. Vucevic is a guy that's been on Danny Ainge's radar. Um, And this tweet was from Keith Smith talking about Vucevic being dealt. He said, uh, quote, per Magic team source, we started the week with no intentions of trading Nikola Vucevic. As things went along, we finally got an offer we felt we couldn't pass on. This was not an easy decision for us, given Vuce's status here in Orlando. So obviously throughout the week, something changed with the Magic. They didn't want to trade Vucevic. Then they get a deal like this. I feel like not a knock on you, <clears throat> excuse me, but you probably don't know a lot about Wendell Carter Jr. or Otto Porter. Uh, just looking at their stats, they're not guys that, are going to blow you off the, uh, blow you away. Carter's averaging just under 11 points. Porter's on averaging just under 10 points. I don't get why the sellers couldn't have attempted to make a deal like this. Like to me, this is too. And I know they're kind of young guys and there's talks that Porter might get waived or bought out uh, by the magic. Wendell Carter is kind of the guy that has the more upside. And then obviously the two first round picks to me, I don't understand why Danny Ainge couldn't have put something like this together. Yeah, I don't either, but I think it just comes down to him getting gun shy. I guess, but like if, like I said, if you're every report we've heard about Vucevic and the Celtics is that Ainge has been hiring it. Like, if if Ainge, Ainge can Port- bargain with picks to the point where he doesn't have to give up significant picks, he's going to do it. True, he, he loves draft. Good picks. point. He yep. only had to give up second round draft picks for um, for which 48, I was shocked which he prob- did. Which probably still hurt him. Killed him. him. Yep. Which probably still killed him. But, I mean, like, Vucevic's name came up in rumors recently over the past few weeks, but he was never a guy I was like, yes, the Celtics are going to get this guy. Like, I'm optimistic about it. No, I just Mm -hmm. wasn't because it just – 
it just seemed like one of those names that ended up exactly like we saw. The, the Celtics were somewhat interested and just didn't get them. Mm-hmm. They're the interest kings. They're, go- they're like the Red Sox. But the they Red took Sox, the Red Sox title. Yeah. Things, things a little differently now. Um, but, yeah, they're kind of standing in the – in the spotlight of the interest Kings, the only team in the only team in New England, Boston, that isn't, aren't the interest Kings of the Patriots. The Bruins are the same way. A lot of times the off season, you go back to Toffoli and Taylor Hall and Evgeny Dodonov, if you want to, some of these GMs in Boston, they're, they're interested in these guys and they don't get the top guys. Well, the Patriots are the interest Kings, but unlike the three other teams, they pull through and actually get yeah, the guys pull through. And this isn't this isn't want. me Bruins specific because uh, I know a lot of Bruins fans listen to this. This isn't me crapping on Craig Smith, but there's no doubt that they were linked to Tyler. Well, maybe not Tyler to fully tremendously, but they could have you know made a bigger pitch for him. And honestly, things are working out for him in Montreal. They didn't get Taylor Hall. They didn't get to Donov. Um, that's my point. I'm not trying to crap on Craig Smith or definitely not Greg McKeg, um as free agent additions. But you, you get my point. You get my point. Um, mm-hmm. It's. I don't know. This these moves just really don't move the needle. Part of it no, is because part of it is because I don't know a ton about Mo Wagner or Luke Cornett. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think I think those moves getting those guys is a little bit interesting because it switches up the bench a little bit, which I don't totally hate. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. There's overall for me, it just doesn't really move the needle. These moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I like the four-year deal. I'm not going to complain about that because obviously it's something I've harped on since the start of the season and really since the end of last season. The Celtics need a guy that can score off the bench consistently. I feel like Fournier is going to be that guy. Uh, I'm interested to see how he takes to that role. Oh, 26 games with the Magic. He started all 26 of them and averaged just under 20 points. Uh, you got to think he's coming off the bench for the Celtics now. You got to assume that 20 points per game number is going to dip, but I'm not going to be too negative about it because obviously, like I said, it's a good scoring piece uh, stat from Jay King of the athletic. He had kind of what Fournier brings to the table. He said Fournier has made 73 three pointers this season. The Celtics entire bench has hit 178. So obviously that's a big boost there. Um, some of the things I saw that people were not happy about um, with Fournier is the Celtics had to use $17 million worth of that trade exception from Gordon Hayward to bring him in. I know there's been conflicting reports that Danny Ainge obviously didn't want to use that until the off season, uh, wasn't going to use it on an expiring contract. He himself said this was kind of an offer they couldn't pass up to use that trade exception on to me. Like I didn't think you were going to do a whole lot with that in the off season. Anyway, I didn't think there were going to be a lot of names that would become available. I know some people were delusional and thought, you know, they could use the exception to bring in Bradley Beal in the off season. I never saw that materializing. Um, so yeah, the Fournier move I'm with you. Doesn't really move the needle to me. I guess he's a good kind of, you know, veteran locker room guy to have from what I've heard. They said he's kind of a jokester in Orlando. Um, whatever you do, he tweeted this out. Don't Google his last name. No, he didn't could. he say Google his last well, name? Well, he did. Yes. As a jokester, but everything I've heard and yeah, his nickname, uh, don't, anybody, don't do that. Don't, nope. don't, don't. I, oh, his I, nickname on NBA, I think reference uh, is don't Google. And there I was like, saw, what? thanks to someone on Twitter, what the, yeah, don't do that. In reference, um, if you Google his last name, is it is not unless worth you want to look at. at disturbing pictures it and is, you enjoy that for some reason. It is absolutely you want to throw up on this nice Friday. Not but worth looking at, like not honestly, even remotely. Didn't even yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know who tweeted that out, but I saw it on Twitter, and I hate, I now hate forever whoever made me see that. Thanks for <laughs> scrolling through Twitter, not expecting to see it. Yep. 
Like I, I shouldn't said, have to uh, see that on Twitter. I, that no. shouldn't be allowed. Jeez. Yeah, it's nasty stuff. Um, like I said, if you're adventurous and you want to ruin your Friday afternoon, go do it. Yeah. Uh, disregard or throw up all over yourself or both. Yeah. The thing I'm curious about Fournier um, is a lot of people, I listened to Zolak and Bertrand because they kind of had their trade deadline stuff. They took you right up through the de- or up to a point and then uh, Flubber and Mass took over yesterday. But some callers, when the Fournier move for Fournier, uh, I'm going to have to figure that one out. When the move was made, a lot of people called in, and obviously this was off of the Milwaukee game. People were aggravated at Marcus Smart, how he played at the end of the game, myself included. But a lot of callers said, oh, you know, bringing Fournier in, um, it takes the ball out of Marcus Smart's hands at the end of games. You know, it maybe puts Marcus, Smart's on the bench, Marcus Smart on the bench at the end of games and gives you the opportunity of Tatum, Brown, Kemba, or Fournier taking like a final shot or whatever. And they discussed that, and the point was brought up is, do you think – the Celtics are really going to take Marcus Smart off the floor at the end of the game. Like you think that's a move Brad Stevens is going to make? Cause I don't. So I don't really agree with any of the points that were brought up. Like I said, multiple callers brought that up. They were like, Oh, you bring this guy in. He's a good option at the end of games. Yeah, you're not going to run five guards or five small forts at the end of the game. You're going to have a center out there, whether that's Robert Williams now or Mo Wagner or whoever that's going to be. Um, so someone has to sit, and I don't think Brad Stevens really has the balls to take Marcus Smart off the floor at the end of the games, no matter how many dumb decisions he makes that doesn't necessarily cost you games because it's you know obviously a team sport, but you watched that Milwaukee game a couple nights ago. Uh, there was some definitely questionable decisions uh, from Marcus Smart in that game late that kind of hurt you in the long run. Mm. But – I'm curious to see how it works out. Obviously, they play tonight again against Milwaukee. Um, I think Fournier is cleared and is going to go. I haven't seen anything that has said he's not going to play. Uh, that was just one of two trades the Celtics made, though. This one kind of surprising. Daniel Tice was shipped out, and uh, Daniel Tice kind of a crappy way to end his Celtics career. He misses the wide-open three at the end of that game, and then I know some people joked. They were like, oh, that's what got him traded out of Boston, missing the, the game winner. But, yeah, this was one of those deals that trickled through at the end of the 3 p.m. debt. 3 p.m. trade deadline, uh, three-team deal. You kind of alluded to it, Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett, who I know nothing about, was traded to the Celtics. Uh, the Bulls, they got Daniel Tice. Javante Green, surprised that he kind of got moved out as well. I'm surprised he had really any trade value. And then Troy Brown Jr. from the Wizards was dealt to the Bulls along with uh, $1.3 million from the Celtics and $250,000 from the Wizards. And then Washington, they got back Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchison, who I don't know who either of those two players are. I'm assuming they both came from Chicago. Um, but as I said, they went to the Wizards. So Tice, there were some kind of interesting things on this deal for him. A lot of people saw this as a kind of financial move because with Tice still here, the Celtics would not have been able to bring Fournier in. They would have been over the – or they would have, but they would have been over the luxury tax. Trading Tice, they got under it. Um, so like I said, from a financial standpoint, that works out. Uh, also, the fact that Tyson Teague, Teague was moved. I don't know if we said this. He was moved in the um, Fournier deal as well. I think he was just flat out released the other day too by the Magic after that deal. But Tyson Teague were both free agents at the end of the year. Javante Green had a qualifying offer that would have obviously been had to have been qualified by the Celtics. So he could have potentially been a, been a free agent. I think Wagner, I saw this. He's a free agent too. Cornette's a free agent. So... Definitely some interesting things there. Fournier is obviously a free agent, but Danny Ainge said um, that the Celtics have plans and have a chance to potentially re-sign him this offseason, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, 
from a positional standpoint, though, and kind of a log jam now, and we'll get into the buyout market in a second because that's apparently where the Celtics are going to be big on. Uh, they traded out three guys. They brought in three guys. So there really isn't a roster spot for anyone yet on the buyout market. So that was kind of interesting to see um, how that's going to work out. But, yeah, I mean, Wagner, I don't know, doesn't really move the needle for me. A nice bench piece, I guess. He's a center, um, averaging just over seven points a game. Same thing, Cornette has played just 13 games this season. He's averaging two points. I thought I saw something that the Celtics could potentially buy him out as well. Uh, so that would open up a spot, obviously. But you trade out – my thing is here, you trade out Tice, and a lot of people thought, you know, oh, this will give uh, Robert Williams a chance to start more and play more. His minutes going to go up. But then you bring in two big men. You bring in Wagner, who's a center. You bring in Cornette, who's a power – who's 7'2". They have him as a power forward, but that's that's center height in my opinion. You still have Tristan Thompson. Uh, we'll jump into the buyout market here. They're expected to go after both LaMarcus Aldrich and uh, Andre Drummond. So those are two more centers right there. So I don't know. I'm, I would take Aldridge. I would take Drummond. Celtics are going to have – and I'll get into them in a second – going to have some definite competition for both those guys. Um, were you surprised to see Tice moved at all? Because obviously there was the reports about Thompson kind of – being on the outs with the locker room. I know Jalen Brown shot that down. Kemba Walker shot yeah. that down on Twitter. Um, but I was surprised the fact that Tice was moved more than, than Thompson was. Cause I feel like Thompson would have had, had more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like more teams would have been interested in him on the trade market than a guy like Daniel Tice. But obviously that didn't come to be. I think it makes sense from the point you made about the, um, from the, the salary cap, like then they had, mm-hmm. you said they had like moved Tice to get to make things work money wise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean the war on Tice in Boston with the fouls is over. <laughs> maybe it'll maybe it'll carry over to Chicago. Yeah, go to Chicago, point. yeah. Um, Javon, yeah, like you said too, Javante Green. I'm kind of surprised to see him move, but I guess it's just a guy that sees some potential and off the bench. So I can't really fault the Bulls for that. No real reason to, I think. But yeah. It, Definitely makes, like I said earlier, I like that they're switching things up on the bench, but I'm really curious to see how they're going to, you know, use certain guys now with this new look, because mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't take anything away from Robert Williams, because I've been on the Robert, Robert Williams bandwagon for a while with belief in him, and I don't want this to screw anything up for him. Well, I got to think he starts playing, now. He's been playing like a maniac lately, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's been their best player, I feel like, over the last handful of games last week or so so that I feel like that's a part of why this deal was made too obviously now Brad Stevens is finally maybe seeing the potential of Robert Williams and now you're going to give him more minutes hopefully but like I said if you're gonna um if you're gonna try to bring in a LaMarcus Aldridge type he's a center you're not going to play him really anywhere else same thing with Drummond so you're starting to get a log jam at the center position I think and that's not necessarily a bad thing but when you have what do I have here yeah, Williams, Thompson, Wagner. You still have Taco Fall, who's not obviously playing a ton of minutes, but he's still on the roster. Uh, you have Cornette, who I said can play center as well. And if you if you get lucky to bring in either Drummond or Aldrich, uh, depending on who you get, like you're someone's going to see a minute dip. You're going to have to get rid of somebody. I feel like having Thompson and Drummond kind of uh, cancel each other out. I feel like they're kind of the same player with Drummond being a little better. But so that's interesting to see. Um, Kind of the other Celtics-related stuff from the trade deadline, I'll quickly run through it. Uh, some other names they were linked to. Nemanja uh, Bielitsa, he was traded uh, to Miami. 
So a guy the Celtics were in on, but obviously could not get a deal on. Uh, some other names, Rajon Rondo, he was dealt to Atlanta for Lou Williams. That yeah, was kind of a, yeah, a, a yeah. strange deal. I tend for one. This. I feel like the Clippers got fleeced. Like I, I feel like Lou Williams is super valuable to them, right? He went six man of the year like two, two years in a row, didn't he? Yeah, he is Mister Six Man of the Year. Yeah, but I mean everything I saw, I thought that trade? too. What? Like I'm so confused by this. Still, this trade. I mean, I thought that too, but then I, Stephen A. Smith had uh, a video I saw on his Twitter that I think he's brought it up a couple times that he personally thought the Clippers were like a solid point guard away from being legitimate championship contenders, and he loved the Rajon Rondo addition. I, I feel like Rondo will play well with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, so we'll have to wait and see how that deal ends up uh, panning oh, out. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was confused by it too when I saw that. I thought it was a one-for-one one originally. Apparently, uh, two second-round picks and cash are going uh, to the Clippers too, I believe, or two – yeah, to the Clippers. Um, so not a one-for-one. One. Uh, some other notable deals, Victor Oladipo was traded for two Boston, for two Celtics. Uh, Oladipo goes from yep. Houston to Miami for Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk, a deal that I feel like nobody would have thought would have even been possible a couple years ago if you're talking about it. But now, um, so yeah, Miami gets better with Oladipo coming in. Uh, I said Bielitsa went there as well. George Hill goes from OKC to Philadelphia. Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood go from Portland to Toronto for Norman Powell. Toronto made a couple of big moves, but the biggest one, they kept Kyle Lowry. Lonzo Ball stayed in New Orleans and Harrison Barnes, who, of course, the Celtics were interested in. He stayed in Sacramento. So kind of the three big names that people thought would get moved uh, did yeah. not. That was, that was one I was really surprised about. I expected Harrison to see Barnes. Harrison Barnes moved somewhere and like didn't see anything yesterday about no. it. oh sacramento for some reason i saw a tweet from them they they still think they're contenders out in the west which good luck there that's that's not going to happen um i was really surprised with the lowry stuff i mean everything you heard about him where the lakers were interested uh the 76ers so he's from philadelphia uh, i saw the other day so we thought maybe they would have made a push for him but then as i said they ended up getting george hill so i think that kind of took them out of the lowry running uh, good for him, though. I guess Kyle Lowry gets to stay in Toronto. Didn't have to be traded on his birthday that I saw that the other day. So that would have been, I sent that to you. That would have kind of been a crappy birthday for him if he gets moved. Yeah. Uh, but he stayed put. Uh, some other notable ones. JJ Redick was traded to Dallas. So that's good help out there for um, Luka Doncic. Uh, JaVale McGee was traded from Cleveland to Denver. So Denver gets a solid center that has plenty of postseason experience of course won a championship with the lakers last year has won a couple with the warriors as well um brad watermaker to finish out the final Celtics, he was traded from golden state to charlotte uh and then there was one other i thought maybe i hit on all of them oh the other point i was going to make kind of interesting apparently i think bleacher report had this on their instagram every player named gary in the nba was traded last uh, yesterday which i found kind of interesting <laughs> I don't know what? if I can find that, but I, yeah, that's awesome. break at work. I saw that. I was like, what the hell? That's what an absolute happenstance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, here it is right here. Every, every NBA player named Gary was traded today. Obviously this was from yesterday. Gary Harris traded to the magic. Gary Trent jr. Traded to the Raptors. Gary Clark traded to the nuggets. So there you go. All three Gary's were dealt yesterday. Kind of interesting, interesting point there. Um, but yeah, like I said, we'll touch on Celtics. As I mentioned already have, 
are going to look to the buyout market. I said LaMarcus Aldrich's name has come up. Uh, this is from Keith Smith. He said, per his source, the Celtics will look to the buyout market with an eye on LaMarcus Aldrich and possibly Otto Porter Jr. if the latter is bought out by Orlando. Woj had a tweet saying once LaMarcus Aldrich completes a buyout with the Spurs, which already happened, uh, the Miami Heat are expected to emerge as front runners to sign him. Sources tell ESPN Aldrich plans to talk to several teams before finalizing a deal. Shams also had that. The Miami Heat are a strong candidate to sign former All-Star as a free agent uh, per sources with Portland, among others in the mix. And then uh, this was from Brian Robb talking about Andre Drummond. He said that the Celtics are a team to watch and Andre Drummond buyout market per Woj then only makes sense if one of current Celtics centers has moved to the trade deadline. As we talked about, obviously Daniel Tice was, but as I mentioned, the Celtics still have Thompson. They got Mo Wagner. They got, uh, I can't still can't think of the other guy's name. I keep blanking on it. Cornette or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, they still have a ton of centers. So that, I don't know how that's going to work there. And then this was from Keith Smith earlier today. He said, per source, the Celtics won't waive any players until they have an agreement secured from a player who has received a buyout. Celtics don't want to be caught shorthanded with players currently out due to injuries uh, and health and safety protocols. Of course, the health and safety protocol one, that's uh, directly looking at Tristan Thompson. Uh, injuries, of course, I think um, – Semi Ojale might have got hurt the other night in that Milwaukee game. And then, of course, uh, the enigma that is Romeo Langford is still hurt, and God knows when he'll be back. So smart decision there for the Southers, obviously. But like I said, I like Drummond. I like Aldrich. Both those guys, I think, could help the Southers a lot. I think they're both better options than um, than Tristan Thompson right now. But I just don't see where they would fit in. I Obviously, Cornette, I feel like, would be the odd man out if the Southers bring in one of these these centers. But it all comes down to playing time. You and I just talked about it. We we want to see more minutes from, from Robert Williams. He's played well when he's gotten more minutes. Um, I feel like bringing one of these guys in might be counterintuitive to that. I don't know if you feel the same way, if you like both players, if you like one more than the other, or if you would prefer them just kind of to go in a different direction, maybe go after a guy like Otto Porter, who I think is more of a wing player which obviously they just got in Fournier, but you can, I feel like never have too many of those guys off your bench. So kind of your thoughts. I know I've thrown a lot at you in the last couple of minutes. Yeah. I, I think if this guy to get on the bio market, if the heat somehow don't land him is Aldridge. I mean, he's a former all-star. He's got pedigrees, still got some mm-hmm. ability. I feel like, I feel like if you can make it work, get it done. Yeah. I mean, just in the Drummond thing too, I know Celtics have been linked to him and trade discussions over the last couple of years. If you're going to go after him, now's the time because you're not going to have to give anything up to get him. You're just going to have to pay him. So that's another reason to go after Drummond. I know there's still some people that don't want Andre Drummond here, but like we, you look at his stats, 17 and a half points per game this season, 13 and a half rebounds. Like you could definitely use that in your starting lineup. Yeah. He's a good rim protector. Uh, Aldridge has had a down year due to injuries and stuff. But again, you said it, he's a former all-star. I'd take him in a heartbeat. He's a better shooter than Drummond can do a little bit more than Drummond. Um, so either one I'm down for, but as we've talked about, you know, there'll, there'll be competition. Aldrich, as I mentioned, Miami's in on him. Uh, Drummond has plenty of suitors. Uh, Kevin O'Connor, this is kind of the last Celtics thing we'll touch on. Uh, Kevin O'Connor said that the Knicks have emerged as a serious potential destination for Cavaliers big man, Andre Drummond. I saw that the Lakers have been kind of in on him too. And then I thought I saw the Nets, of course, because the Nets want to sign everybody all of a sudden and they're just, getting money out of who knows where uh, they're in on him too. So that would kind of suck if he went to Brooklyn after Blake Griffin went there as well and kind of form a humongous super team there, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, I don't know if there's a deadline for the buyout market when that might be, but obviously I feel like we'll have some, some news come out in the coming days about, you know, where the, those two guys will go. If anywhere, 
but we'll have to wait and see. As I said, the Celtics play Milwaukee again tonight. Um, we've talked about this before, you know, until the Celtics do something that makes you want to talk about them. I feel like we don't have a lot of Celtics stuff to talk about. Obviously the deadline was kind of the biggest thing there. So uh, no other really Celtics thoughts, unless you have any kind of final things before we jump into some Red Sox stuff. Cause there are some, some things with the Red Sox to talk about today. Yeah. Last thing for me for the Celtics is just like figuring things out, like getting, getting the ball rolling quickly because they're in, not in an ideal position. Nope. And things, no, you know, haven't, been tremendously ideal lately you know make of this what you will but they had that um tyson smart had that altercation if you want to call it that i think it was just you know and then it was boiling over a little bit nothing like malicious or you know hate-filled just you know during the game you know passions run high and stuff like that happens but i just you know i feel like a theme of this team lately has been you know being out of sync at times and you know, consistency when you're at this point and your record's looking the way it is, um, consistency needs to be better. And maybe with these new faces, new look to the team to a good extent, maybe it, maybe it helps out. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping yeah, we'll for it because we'll have to wait enjoyable and see. to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they need some sort of spark plug. Like I know there were some people the other night that were like, Oh, they almost came back and beat Milwaukee. It's like, hmm, it's a shame you got down 24 points at one point and had to literally claw yourselves back in. But mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what you want to do. Just get down huge against a, a pretty good team. Uh, but like I said, we'll wait and see. We'll see what they do tonight. We'll see if Evan Fournier gets uh, to play in his first Celtics game. Maybe we'll see Mo Wagner. I haven't really seen anything on him yet, if he's going to be a go or not. But like I said, we'll wait and see. Um, on the Red Sox, though, because like, what's up? A lot of waiting and seeing. Yeah, it's true. With yep, but who knows. Um, on to Red Sox, though, because they're not breaking news, but this broke a little earlier, kind of a, a tough start to the season for the Red Sox. Apparently, Walter Rodriguez will not start on opening day against the Orioles like it was uh, said to be happening. He is dealing with, quote-unquote, dead arm from Alex Cora. So Nathan Eovaldi will now make his second consecutive opening day start against the Baltimore Orioles. Of course, he did that last year. Um, but with the season right around the corner, roster cuts starting to be made. Uh, Jonathan Arauz was optioned to Worcester last night after his solid game hit a 500 foot mammoth home run it looked like but uh, stinks for him because he had a good spring but he is going to be optioned um, I thought we'd go into maybe some roster predictions some uh, season predictions as we usually do some bold predictions I don't know if you have any I had a couple that I was going to put out there um, but we'll start with just kind of my roster predictions I don't know if you feel the same way I'll get your thoughts uh, as we know kind of some hints at what the Red Sox are going to be doing with this roster. They are going to be going with 14 pitchers, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um, I'll start there with you. I don't know if you feel the same way, if you'd like to see more position guys on this team or kind of your thoughts on the approach of the 14 pitchers. I don't really have like a real problem with it, to be honest. Mm. I think it's like, yeah, I just really can't think of a reason to have a problem with it until, you know, I think I think you know if I pretty much agree with the setup you have for your prediction. So mm-hmm. I think with that setup, I think they'll be all right. And okay, as we know, not only do they have you know some new faces in um, the batting order side of things, not outside of pitching, um, they have a lot of versatility too. So if they need to you know capitalize on that versatility, they can they mm-hmm. can make changes in the lineup. So I think you know the fourteen and twelve approach isn't the worst uh, the worst mm-hmm. thing, but I mean, I get it and it doesn't end up shitty. I get it from a standpoint now if Rodriguez is going to be a little iffy to start the season. So maybe that 
Yeah, ends up working out in their favor. I mean, the one problem I have with it is it, and I'll get into it in a second. It it screws a position player that should probably make the roster. Uh, he's this one guy that's probably going to start the year in Worcester that I don't agree with. But as I said, I'll jump into it. Uh, looking at 26-man roster predictions uh, for starters, I had obviously Erodi, Evaldi, Perez, Pavetta, and Richards. I feel like that's kind of a non-negotiable. That's going to be the starting rotation to start the year. Bullpens where it gets a little, little not dead. Icy, iffy, but there are some names that maybe should be on here than others. Uh, I think Matt Barnes will open the year as your closer. Ottavino's pitched very well, but I think he sits into that setup man role. Uh, you have Sawamura, Andres, Garrett Whitlock, the the uh, what is he? The Rule Five guy. He is going to make the opening day roster. That was announced uh, today by Alex Cora as well, so he's on it. He's pitched well in spring training, as he deserves it. Absolutely. Darwinson Hernandez and Josh Taylor is your two lefties. And then these last two names, you can kind of make a case for, make a case against. I had Austin Bryce because he's been the better of some of our other options in spring training. And then Kevin McCarthy, who is a non-roster invitee, so he has to be put on the 40-man roster. Um, I think at this point it's a no-brainer because he's had a very good spring training, six games, uh, seven innings pitched. He's only allowed two runs. None of them were earned, six strikeouts, no walks, and does have a save. Uh, like I said, he's not on the 40-man roster, though, so you have to add him to it. I think an easy decision looking at the 40-man roster. You take John Schreiber, Schreiber, whatever his name is. You and I, when they signed him, both were like, who is this bum that they got from Detroit? He's only appeared in two games, has an ERA of 13 and a half. So I think uh, if you don't take him off the 40-man to put Kevin McCarthy on, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice. Of course, McCarthy came from the Royals. He was the first move, actually, the Red Sox made during the offseason. They signed him to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training and he's pitched very well. And uh, from what I've seen on Twitter, there are some rumblings that think he is probably going to get that final bullpen spot. But as we said with the Celtics, we'll have to wait and see. They still have said the Red Sox still have some decisions to make. They got a couple games before opening day next week. Uh, catchers, Vasquez and Ploiecki. Again, that's an obvious one. Infielders, Dahlbeck, Hernandez, Bogarts, Devers, and Christian Arroyo. And I'll get into in a second why I think Arroyo is going to make it over Michael Chavis, even though Chavis has arguably had the better spring. Uh, and then outfielders, Martinez, Verdugo, Renfo, uh, Marvin Gonzalez, who utility player, but I think they'll use him in left field primarily. And then Franchi Cordero. Cordero is an interesting one because there's talks. Alex Cora, I think, mentioned it. You know, they're playing today. They're playing right now. Cora said the other day that, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see on Cordero if all things go well on Saturday, then he's probably going to make the opening day roster. Unless he has some sort of major setback today, you know, he's gotten caught up to speed. Obviously, he dealt with COVID at the start of spring training, so that kind of put his opening day in question. But he's come back strong. He's played well. He's looked well out there. So I think it's a no-brainer for him to make the opening day roster. So some names that kind of get left off there. Obviously, I mentioned uh, Raouz uh, got optioned last night. Colton Brewer in the bullpen, a guy that we saw last year start and pitch out of the bullpen. He's had a horrendous spring training, so I think he kind of gets – shafted there Phillips Valdez a guy that pitched very well last season kind of out of nowhere was one of the Red Sox better relievers he's had a bad spring as well an ERA of 1080 in six and two-thirds eight earned runs seven walks and eight strikeouts he probably isn't going to make it I think McCarthy will make it over him and then Michael Chavis was the big one that I alluded to Chavis has had a very good spring he's hitting 295 six home runs 10 RBIs in uh, 44 bats does have three errors so that's kind of a knock on him but He's been in the midst of a position battle with Arroyo right now. I think the reason Arroyo is probably going to edge him out is we've talked about this before. Uh, Arroyo does not have any minor league options left. So if the Red Sox try to send him to Worcester, he would have to go through waivers and would probably yeah. get claimed with the spring training that he's having. Um, I think he's hitting like 289 maybe, so not too lower, too much lower than Chavis. But 
Um, and Chavis obviously does have the, the minor league option. So I think this is the problem I have with the 14 pitchers is a guy like Chavis, who's had a, a very good spring training. He's opened a lot of eyes and, you know, he, he was kind of the odd man out going in. He's fighting for his roster spot. You can see it out there when you watch the games, when the games are on Nesson. Uh, Chavis kind of gets shafted here, going to probably start the year in AAA, which which stinks in my opinion. Because like I said, watching the games that I have, he's looked engaged out there. He's hustling after you know every ground ball, every hit that he makes. So he, he obviously wants to be on the roster. And like I said, the 14 pitches here is where he really kind of gets shafted. Yeah, I think – Going back to the relief pitchers for a sec, I think it's maybe a toss-up between Valdez and Bryce because both mm-hmm. of them haven't had great springs. Yep. But Valdez really showed you something last year. So I think for that reason, and you know, the glimmer of hope he gave you last year, there's a chance he makes it over Bryce mm-hmm. for me. Uh, Cordero, I think Cordero will be there because you know he's one of the pieces in the Benatendi trade, so I think they're going to give him a shot. And you know, with him... Being one of the depth outfielders, it's not like you have to rush him into anything they can afford to you know, just let him ride the bench a little bit, maybe um, factor in every once in a while. But I think Cordero will be in there. Chavis is in a weird spot, but yeah, it comes down to you know him having minor league options and Arroyo not. You know, mm-hmm. It's not like you're putting a player in Arroyo that's having a terrible spring just because he has um, he doesn't have minor league options over Chavis. So at least you know if it comes down to the two, which it will. Um, you're still having a good player, like a good contributor in Arroyo as versus, you know, not having an ideal situation and sending Michael Chavis down because he has options. But Mm -hmm. it's good that we're seeing that from Chavis, you know, in a season that's kind of pivotal for him, uh, spring training, that he is, you know, he's he's hungry, he's urgent, um, he's playing hard. So, uh, and yeah, the, the extra pitcher can really help depending on how long this dead arm situation or anything else could last with Rodriguez. So mm-hmm. I don't have a, a huge problem with it, but you know, ideally you'd love to have Chavis on the roster as we mentioned, yeah. but yep. those Some options other make it tough. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing too, obviously a Royal, he played well last year when he got here and then yeah. before he got hurt. So that's obviously another thing too, is the Red Sox. I mean, he has that high bloom connection bloom acquired and when he was with Tampa Bay a couple of years ago from the Indians. So um, there's that obviously to keep in the back of your mind too. Uh, a couple other names that I did not mention, obviously Chris Sale is still rehabbing from Tommy John. So that's an obvious one. He is going to probably start the year in the D uh, the IL again. And then Ryan Brazier, who we didn't see any of in spring training. I didn't even know this until I looked it up the other day. He's dealing with a fractured uh, bone below his pinky on his throwing hand. So he is going to start the year most likely on the IL as well. Uh, so that's why I excluded him. If anybody was wondering from kind of the bullpen list. Um, but yeah, that's the, my roster prediction for the 26 man, they might go a different way. Like you said, I've seen some things on Twitter that people seem to think they could go with Valdez over Bryce because of the season Valdez had last year, um, which would make sense. As I mentioned, he was kind of one of your few bright spots in the bullpen last year. And it would make sense obviously to try to uh, catch that lightning in a bottle again, per se, uh, to start this season. Mm-hmm. Bold predictions. What do you got for the Red Sox this season before we jump into kind of overall I know I go more in, tend to go more in depth with my standing predictions uh, than you may do, or kind of our postseason predictions. But we'll start with Red Sox predictions. What do you have for bold stuff this year? My bold prediction, the first one. This might not be considered bold by everybody, but I feel like there are people out there that are a bit sour on JD Martinez because of last season. 
But I think J.D. Martinez, all the stuff I've heard from him, encourages me that he's going to bounce back in a big way. Um, he obviously, just from a personal standpoint, probably didn't enjoy last season playing so poorly. And, mm-hmm. you know, we know the potential he has. We've seen it. And, you know, maybe having Cora back helps him because he really thrived under Alex Cora in 2018 specifically. But I think J.D. Martinez is going to bounce back in a big way this year. I think Bobby Dahlbeck is going to hit 25 to 30 Yabos this season. Um, he's just really showing that he's delivering on that power potential that you heard since the day he was drafted. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. was all excited about his power potential the day he was drafted. And he's really, you know, progressing very well, dominated in spring. Um, I think he's going to carry it into the season and hit a lot of home runs. And probably the most bold one, I'd say, maybe the Dahlbeck one's a little more bold. My last bold prediction is that Alex Verdugo hits 20 plus home runs for the first time in his career. I could see that. Those are my bold Show the power potential last year. Absolutely. Yeah, I could. I mean, more sample size. He hit, what, did he hit 12 last year, I think? I think it was, yeah. Or maybe that was two years ago. Uh, let me just double check. But yeah, I, th- I think Verdugo's capable of 20 plus. He can stay healthy. I think so, uh, too. Like yeah, you said, there was um, 2019, he had 12. Last, he, last year, he had 16. So yeah, it's there. I think, he, I think he's going to do it. All right. Uh, I will see your 25 to 30 home runs for Bobby Dahlbeck, and I'll raise you. I say he is going to hit 35. I mean, we see he's pretty much hitting a home run every day in spring training, it seems like. Uh, The negative that has come with that, though, is he is striking out a ton. So with his 35-plus home runs this season, I think he's going to lead the league in strikeouts, which probably isn't going to be great for Bobby Dahlbeck. But as I've said before, he is turned into the – Yep, he has turned into the prototypical power hitter. It's hit a home run or strike out. So, I mean, hopefully it's something he can work on, but uh, maybe in his first full year in the majors, he struggles with that a little bit. Uh, after watching some of the spring training games, I may have jumped the gun a little bit too much when the Red Sox brought in Hunter Renfro. I think uh, I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, he's looked really good all around in spring training hitting the ball in the field. So I think Renfro will end up being the Red Sox best offseason addition. I think he'll finish with 30 plus home runs and uh, 70 plus RBIs, which would be a first for him in his career. Uh, he's just mashing the ball every time I see him on TV. So good to see that Renfro is working out again, has that Tampa Bay connection. So maybe there's something there with uh, Heim Bloom. This one bullpen wise, I think Matt Barnes, Adam Ottavino, and how uh, Hirokazu Sawamura will all have opportunities to close at some point. Uh, Sawamura has kind of figured it out watching him the other night. Ottavino has been great so far. And I think Matt Barnes, I heard he struggled last night with command, but I think Barnes will go into the season as the closer ending the season. I think Sawamura may have a kind of Koji moment. I think he will be your closer come the end of the season. I think he'll figure some things out. And Alex core may have to turn to him. Uh, like I said, towards the end of the year. If the Red Sox are not in the playoff picture, and like I said, we'll jump into predictions in a little bit. I think if they're out of it and if they have to sell some pieces off, this is a name we've heard come up um, a little bit this offseason. Obviously, they made a deal for a catcher in the offseason, bringing in, uh, I think it's Ronaldo Hernandez is his name from the from the Rays. I'll have to double check that. But I think the Red Sox, if they're out of it, come dead the deadline. Christian Vasquez will be their biggest trade piece. And I think we will finally see Vasquez move because the Red Sox have some depth at that Pain. position now. What? Pain. I don't want to see oh, Vasquez Pain. moved. I don't either, but I think, you know, if they have to make a move to try to bring more guys in, like I like I was going to say, they have depth now. They they got Wong last year in the, um, the Betts trade. They got, let me see if I can find, yeah, Ronaldo Hernandez, again, a Tampa Bay guy. Um, they got him in the trade for Mesa and Jeffrey Springs. Springs. 
So that was a steal and a half. You get one of the Rays better catching prospects. Yeah, I kind of still can't believe that, that deal. Lost struggle last year. I know that's yeah, that's the first deal we'll give Heimlin credit for. Yeah, work his magic there to turn two uh two kind of pieces of crap into a into a good <laughs> a good piece. Jeez, yeah, not to sugarcoat it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think if if you're gonna trade a trade a guy, Vasquez is probably gonna be that guy. It would suck to see him go, but I think he might be a free agent at the end of this year too, so that might factor into it. Um, and then kind of my other bold prediction for the Red Sox is it helped transition into standing predictions. Um, I think the Red Sox will surprise some people. I've been pleasantly surprised. I know I've been negative Nancy with this Red Sox team pretty much all off season. Uh, they've looked pretty good in spring training. They I think have the third best record. So I think the Red Sox will ultimately be in the hunt. This season, I think they'll make a strong push, but I think with just the talent around the league, and I, I think they're going to come come up short ultimately. I think it'll kind of be a tough way to end the season, but uh, like I said, there's there's some there's too many teams in my opinion that they need to leapfrog. Yeah, I I kind of feel the same way. It's just gonna it just seems like one of those seasons where they're you know they'll might be in the mix or just a little. Maybe like your prediction, you have 84 and 78. Like I could see them doing a little worse than that, but still being mm. in the mix. Um, but yeah, I just, I just can't say for sure. This team's going to make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. I can't do yes. it. Speaking of catchers. Um, did you hear that? Like, I think it was like a week ago about Connor Wong, like changing up his like stance or something behind the plate. And like other a lot of the it. Red Sox. Yeah. Catchers would do. I don't know who started that which coach it was. I can't remember. It might've been Alex Cora that had him do it. Um, but yeah, a lot of them are going with the, uh, I think the right knee down now, the right leg down. So he's doing it. I think Ploiecki's doing it. I know Hernandez is cause I saw him the other day. He was doing it. So yeah, I don't know what the reason for that was maybe just a little more, he'll be more comfortable behind the plate. Maybe it's, you know, you get a, I don't know, better stance or whatever. I don't know the reason, but yeah, I did. I did notice that, that they're doing that. That that was interesting. Yeah. Um. On to we'll do standing predictions before we jump into kind of you know playoffs and our our um award predictions as we do every year when we do this. Um. I won't go through the stand uh, the records of everybody. I'll just run down it quickly. Uh, AL East for me, I have the Yankees, the Blue Jays. I originally had the Rays. This is where I've gone back and forth. The Rays have had a a pretty bad spring training. The Red Sox have had a pretty good one, as I mentioned. They've got the third best record. I know spring training doesn't take away the grain of salt but the Red Sox have looked like the better team I think them and Tampa Bay will kind of battle for that three four spot all season and as I've mentioned before I know a lot of people are down on the Rays because they've you know they traded a lot of pieces off their team obviously they trade Snell they lost Morton to Atlanta so their pitching's kind of up in the air right now but we've talked about this they are the Rays this is what they do so that's why I think they could still be afloat Baltimore I think that's the obvious choice for last place the Orioles are still fully in rebuild mode um might not have as bad as the year as they've had in the past, but I think obviously they're still going to finish in the cellar in the central Chicago takes it with Minnesota being the first of two wildcard teams coming in second Cleveland, Detroit, Kansas city out West. I have Houston, the angels taking the second wildcard spot, Oakland, Seattle, and Texas in the national league. Atlanta takes the NL East with the Mets finishing close behind them. They are the second wildcard team, uh, the nationals, Phillies and Marlins to round out that division in the central. I have the Cardinals, Milwaukee, Chicago, uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh finishing with the worst record in baseball uh, at 59 and 103. That's a team that's just 
in turmoil right now. Uh, and then out West, no surprise there. I have the Dodgers finishing first, the Padres coming in second as the first wild card team, Diamondbacks in third, the Giants in fourth. I almost said the 49ers. And then the Rockies finishing with the second worst record in baseball, uh, just one game behind Pittsburgh. Do you disagree with any of those choices? What's kind of your thoughts if you see anything different or if you agree? One point, I always, like, when I look at the MLB every year, I don't know if I'm weird for this, I always get, like, baffled when I see a team with a, that reaches 100 losses. Like, I feel like that's just such, like, an unbelievably bad accomplishment. Like, yeah, yeah. that's just always weird. Like, whenever I see 100 in the loss column, 100-plus, like, I'm like, wow. Like, that's just unbelievable. Um, What's more impressive, 100 wins or 100 losses, you think? 100 losses. I think, yeah, I'd have to go that way, too. Yeah, there's really like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I could, there's really not much to pick apart here. I could see Tampa, I could see the Rays finishing ahead of the Red Sox, Mm. say that. Um, I think Toronto is good for potentially 90 wins. You think so? Yeah, I think they could hit 90 wins. They did Um, just lose, I was going to put them higher, sorry to cut you off, but they did just lose Kirby Yates. He might be in a, he might be getting Tommy John surgery and then, uh, George Springer, I think, is either dealing it's either an oblique or a quad, so not a great start for them. I know the White Sox just lost Eloy Jimenez for five to six months. He's got a yeah. torn pectoral, I think, which is a huge blow for them. So that's obviously something to watch too. But yeah, I don't know. I th- I'm just looking at everything again. I definitely agree with all the last place teams. That's something that <laughs> those are the easy, those are the easy ones. There really isn't much to you know, pick apart with those. I think Milwaukee could win the NL Central. I've seen, personally. yep, I've seen people because they've made a decent amount of moves. Obviously, they brought Jackie Riley Jr. in to help out that that team on offense and defense. So, yeah, I've I, seen the Central was the division I saw that kind of had the most um, changes. I saw some people thinking the Cubs could win it, which I don't understand because the Cubs blew up their starting rotation, it feels like, and I didn't think they had that solid of a bullpen either. So, I think the biggest no-brainer division for how it'll pan out is the NL West. Yeah, I think that's the Padres made a lot of moves, the pa- but I think yeah. that's still the Dodgers. The Padres, division. yeah, the Padres made a lot of moves, but I don't think they'll leapfrog the Dodgers. Arizona is just, you know, Arizona at that point, they're just the team that isn't as good as the Dodgers and the um, Padres, but is definitely better than the Giants and the Rockies. Definitely the Rockies for emphasis. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Nolan Arenado anymore. But. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely the biggest no-brainer division. Yeah, but if I had to pick apart a couple things, I could see Milwaukee finishing ahead of St. Louis. I could see the Rays finishing ahead of the Red Sox. I hope not, ideally. <laughs> the Red Sox sake, that would stink. But I feel like Oakland Oakland could sneak into the top two of the AL West. Yeah, like, that's wow. one I kind of toyed back and forth with. That's a tough division. That's a tough it division is, yeah. because the, um, the Astros are looking a bit different this year. Um, you can expect what you want to expect from the from the Angels. I feel like the Angels are still kind of an enigma. They always seem to underachieve. Yeah. I mean, I, they made some de- they they actually shirt or kind of got some starters this year, which may make a difference for them. I think mm. finally they might have a fully healthy Shohei Otani, which is obviously this is the first time we'll see that since he's made uh, made it into the league. So I think that might make a difference too. And then obviously it doesn't hurt to have Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, two of the best players at their position on your team. So maybe they catch fire too. If, if this is Albert Pujols' last year, maybe they want to go out and kind of send him off. 
in a good way, but we'll have to wait and see. Cause like, yeah, you're right. The angels always seem to kind of fall apart at some point in the season. They also do have Mike Trout. So, you know, you can yeah. never, you never quite fully rule them out when they have him around. So, mm-hmm. um, this is true. Playoff predictions now. Yeah, I'll jump in and kind of run through mine um, for the wild card games. As I mentioned, uh, I got the Mets over the Padres. That was a tough one for me, but I think the Mets just a deeper team uh, when you really look at it. And I would take if you throw in Jacob DeGrom in a wild card game, I would take that matchup nine times out of 10 in favor of the Mets. Uh, in the American League, I have the Angels surprising in an upset over the Twins. So the Twins will continue their uh, playoff losing streak uh, this season. The division series, I have the Angels going up against the Yankees. Yankees win that series three games to one. The White Sox beating the Astros three games to two. Uh, This one may be a surprise, but it kind of leads into my World Series prediction. I have the Mets upsetting the Dodgers three games to two, and then the uh, Braves beating the Cardinals three games to one. For the AL and NLCSs, I have the Yankees beating the White Sox four games to two, and the Mets once again upsetting the Braves four games to three, setting up a New York, New York World Series. For some weird reason, I don't know why, but <laughs> I hear the groan. I don't know why, but for some reason, I know it's the Mets, I, and I want to lean on the side because I've done it in the past where it's the Mets. They'll fall apart too at some point, but just the additions of – of Lindor. I think that's going to obviously help them a ton. Uh, they have a very deep rotation with DeGrom, Stroman, ho- hopefully coming back healthy for a full season. Um, yeah. For some weird reason, I have a feeling it's going to be Mets Yankees and I can't bring myself to pick the Yankees. So I will pick the Mets in a f- uh, seven game series upset, which it pains me to do because it's New York, mm. but I've just got a weird feeling for some reason. Oh, I don't have as specific predictions, but I have the Dodgers repeating and Mookie okay. Betts twisting the knife a little more because <laughs> I think Mookie Betts is going to win a bunch of championships in LA, and I think this will be number two. All right, I, who do you have it over? I have it over the Yankees. Uh, okay. The Yankees. I said what I said about them last year about them not making it to the World Series after all that stuff. Nailed that one. That felt good this year <laughs> with the look of the AL. I think they will do it, but they will come up short, and that'll be funny. That'd be hilarious. Yep, I think the Dodgers are going to win again. I think Mookie Betts just completely put them over the top. I think he's just really going to turn them into – you know, this is a team we know that's always, you know, been amongst the the conversation for the World Series for a while now, but I think Mookie Mm. Betts just adds another dimension to that team that finally – gives them the edge to actually win World Series instead of losing. Get there so. and lose, yeah. I mean, I I could definitely see them going back. I could definitely see them winning it again this season. I just feel like it's so hard. Obviously, it's so hard in baseball to repeat. It's, I mean, it's so hard in any sport to repeat as champions. But I feel like especially baseball with how grueling that, that season is. Um, and I know people will say, you know, oh, the Dodgers, they won a fake World Series last year because they didn't have to play as many games and, you know, all that nonsense. Um I personally don't think that – I know a lot of people are high on the Trevor Bauer move. I don't think he's going to live up to that contract because I don't yeah, think Trevor Bauer is that one. good of a pitcher. So I think at some point he'll kind of fall out and that signing won't be as big as some people seem to think it is um, or think it will be. The Yankees and the AL, like they've they've added two of the better pitchers in baseball. Of course, they made the trade for Tyon. Uh, they got um, Corey Kluber. I got to assume at some point Luis Severino is going to come back this season from his injury. I know they're giving Domingo Herman 
who when his head's not up his ass and he's acting like an a-hole, he's a pretty good pitcher. Um, so he'll be back, I think, at some point too this year. If they can stay healthy, which is obviously the biggest thing and has been with the Yankees over the last couple of seasons, like all the moves they've made, this is their year to finally come out of the American League, or I'm out of, not the American League East, just come out of the American League in general. So I think at this point, like you have to give it to them. There's really, I don't think there's another team really that kind of stacks up as well as they do like in competing with them. So that's why as much as it pains me to say it, I think that's why they'll come out of the American league. I don't think they'll win because they are the Yankees and they're kind of the Dodgers of the American league as they get there, not get to the world series, but like get into the playoffs and then kind of choke all over themselves. So I think this year that'll come in the world series and you and I can have a nice laugh about it when it hopefully happens. That would be nice. Yeah. We'll One thing the Dodgers up. are missing though, is their spark plug. Kike Hernandez. That's true. I wonder how, yeah, yeah. That might, I wonder how that might play into things. If they got to find Maybe, another clubhouse might be, guy. Might be a big postseason guy too. So that might be something. Big guy. Yeah. Just saying. Just yep. saying. Just we'll see if that, out there. that pans out. Yeah, I, th- um, I think the Dodgers can definitely do it again this year. The, mm-hmm. Met, the Mets doing it the first year with Lindor would be something. Would that, be, would be yeah. something. that would be quite the storyline. Mm-hmm. Ending the misery for Mets fans, essentially. This is true. Um, we'll finish up with award predictions. As like I said, we usually do, we'll, we'll round things out. Um, AL MVP, I think it's a no brainer, but I have Mike Trout, some sleepers to look out for Jose Ramirez. And as I said, with potentially a full year of Shohei Otani, I wouldn't count him out just at the fact of, you know, that two player or two way player, um, that he is, that might garner some votes for some people and garner some recognition. So we'll have to see on that in the national league. I think it'll be Mookie Betts this year. Obviously he would have won it last year. Freddie Freeman didn't go into sicko mode and play like a play like an absolute beast. So Mookie will get his revenge this season. Some names, uh, Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr. Hopefully he stays healthy for the sake of my fantasy team and for the sake of I love watching Fernando Tatis play baseball. So I think he'll be in the mix as well. Cy Youngs, I'm going to go with the same two guys I picked last year, Garrett Cole and Jacob deGrom, because both of them came up short last year. So why not go with them again and see if we can get this one right. In the American League, some sleepers, Lucas Giolito with the White Sox and Tyler Glass now as the now de facto ace of that Tampa Bay staff. I think he will kind of come on strong in the national league, Walker Bueller. And on the flip side of Tampa Bay, I think Blake Snell may be finally getting a chance to pitch more than five innings, a start or six innings, a start. I think he'll make some noise out in the national league as well. Rookie of the year. I have Andrew Vaughn from the white Sox. We talked about that. Eloy Jimenez is, is now out five to six months. I saw the other day that the white Sox are going to give Vaughn a chance to play in left field. And he's, he's kind of a big bat in that lineup. So I think, He's my pick there. Sleepers, I have a Rosa Rainier from the Rays. Of course, what he did in the World Series last year. And then one of the top prospects in baseball, Jared Kalenic from the Mar- uh, the Mariners, rather. In the National League, Cabrian Hayes of the Pirates. I have Sixto Sanchez and Adberts Auzole of the Cubs as my two sleepers. And then for managers of the year, Joe Madden, if he can get the Angels to the postseason, I think he's a shoe-in for that. Some sleepers, Aaron Boone, of course, with the Yankees, always seems to be there. And then Tony La Russa, if he can do the same thing with the White Sox, get them to the postseason as much as I crapped on that signing uh, earlier in the offseason. I think he'll if, he, if the White Sox get there, then he'll be in the running for that. In the National League, I picked the Mets to win the World Series, so rightfully so. I picked Luis Rojas, their manager, uh, to win manager of the year out there. Some sleepers there, Jace Tingler and Dave Roberts, because Dave Roberts with the Dodgers, Seemingly always getting the best record in baseball that tends to get that manager um, some accolades. So I think Dave Roberts will once again be in the running there as well. And that's it for me. Yeah, I've, I've pretty much the same. My MVPs are the same. Ooh, I think cool. how Glasnow does without Blake Snell in the picture, 
could really put him in a good position uh, for the side in the AL if he you know, delivers, of course. Jacob DeGrom, I think, is close to a lock in the DNL. No slight to anybody, but Jacob DeGrom is just phenomenal. Um, I'm going with back-to-back Mariners for the AL Rookie of the Year with Kalenic. I've heard some great things about him. Um, I'm going to go with him just for fun. I think he could do it. But, you know, you made a very good case for Andrew Vaughn. I could see that as well. And Arosa Reina. Arosa Interesting guy in there, too. I remember the story with him last year. That was interesting. I don't know a lot about the NL rookies, to be honest, besides Sixto Sanchez. I know the uh, the hype is pretty big around him for a little while now. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting guy to monitor. I don't really know much about Cabrian Hayes or Adbert Alzale. Uh, I'm going with Dave Roberts for the NL Manager of the Year, though, because I think um, the Dodgers are going to win the World Series, so he will win Manager of the Year. Okay. And there you have it. Those are our one week to go, less than a week to go, actually, uh, MLB predictions. Bam. How about that? Um, back to something before we end the show, we talked about Bemidji state being up on Wisconsin in the hockey tournament frozen Four. Bemidji state is now on the verge of upsetting Wisconsin of four to one Oof. going into the third period. I don't know where Bemidji state is. Uh, they are making the Badgers sweat, which I did not see coming. I don't think a lot of people really did. Talk about playing Wisconsin down your competition. Staff. Yeah. Bemidji state credit, you know, scrappy underdog. Pulling through, see if they can uh, keep it going through the third period, though. You know, Wisconsin's got a lot of firepower. They could make things interesting. As a uh, BC fan, I know what it's like to give up 4-1 leads recently. <laughs> Pain! Pain. Damn it! Damn it. I saw an opportunity, and I had to take it. Had to bring it up. I don't know why. Maybe I just you know, felt like making fun of myself as a BC fan for some reason. But, you know... It's not over when you got firepower like Wisconsin does. So we'll see if Bemidji State can hold on and pull off the upset in the uh, tournament. But uh, anything else we have? Nope, that's it. I was just looking to see if there's any other breaking phenomenal trades in the NFL, but it has quieted down since the start. So I think we're done here. Yeah. Uh, One thing I forgot to mention earlier. We're not done here. um, Actually, I'm just racking my brain here as we get done. Uh, Andre Kasha skated today. Holy crap. That's another ghost that we have not seen in quite some time with Brandon Carlo and Kevin Miller. Maybe we'll, um, it's good to see see. a little bit of Andre Kasha, hopefully. And Jeremy Lozon. Another thing is very close to returning. That's awesome. Very, very awesome. Um, there was one more Bruins thing. Matt Porter tweeted this. Yep. Here it is. Cassidy stopping a drill. Say score some effing goals by going to the effing net. Quit looking for plays that aren't effing there at practice. He's pissed. Oh boy! Good. Fire into some of these guys' asses. Yeah, get, de- get a little bit explosive. Get a little bit explosive. I don't hate it. Give him a kick in the pants. Yeah, they need it. Okay, we got more news. Hearing the Buffalo oh, no. Sabers are working on an Eric Stahl trade from uh, Frank Saravalli of TSN. Sounds like the Habs are leading contender to get him. Not done yet. Stay tuned. That's interesting because that would be a trade across the um, U.S. Canadian border. Oh, yeah, that's going to, yeah. There was a 14-day quarantine period, but just recently they reduced it to seven days. So that makes things a little more palpable for GMs making trades across the border potentially. But Eric Stahl could be the next move as we get closer to the NHL trade deadline. He is rightfully looking for a trade 
if there is one out of Buffalo, I cannot blame him for that. I don't, yeah, blame him at all. 15 games in a row and are genuinely one of the worst teams ever. So, you know, you really can't fault the guy for that. Unless you're a Sabres fan, you know, you want to support your team. Actually, it's 16 in a row now. 16. I just want to double check that. They have lost 16 games in a row. That is just baffling. But it's also kind of not because they're the Sabres and they are a train wreck of an organization. So we did have some news. Good good thing we covered some of this stuff before uh, realizing it after we record. We're done recording, rather. True. This is true. That'll wrap it up for episode 37, the Patrice Bergeron episode. Shout out to Patrice Bergeron. I know some people on Twitter wanted us to make sure we give a tribute to Patrice Bergeron. We love Patrice Bergeron around here, don't we? I won't ruin it this week by mentioning a shitty Red Sox reliever. <laughs> Thank you. Or Thank now, you. what did he? who did he sign with? I think the Cincinnati. Reds. Yeah. Um, he who we do not speak of anymore. Um, Semi Ojale, who's not much Semi Ojale, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Patrice Bergeron, yay. Patrice Damian Bergeron, Harris. So. Yeah, the high Damian Harris. There's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, we love to see that. Love to see that. Rodney Harrison. Rodney Harrison. That's another good one. Certainly. Right. But, uh, yeah, little Friday episode. Hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. A little bit different. We got it done. It's a good episode. Uh, you can follow us on TikTok if you don't already. I say this every week, but hopefully we will start posting on TikTok more. Just bear with us, you know. In that front, I'm gonna try to put out some some more baseball stuff as we get yeah. closer to the season. Yeah, more baseball Maybe. stuff, some Bruins stuff, some NHL stuff around the trade deadline. I can almost fully promise that I will do more stuff like that. And if I forget, I'm sorry. But when this <laughs> once there's more stuff around the trade deadline, I will put some hockey stuff out there for the people. Um, yeah, you can follow us on TikTok, throw Salvage and Craddy into the search bar. You'll find us, no problem. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Craddy. You can follow Ryan at Ryan underscore Salvaggio. And you can follow the show at Sal and Craddy Pod. You can find us on Anchor FM, unless you're not listening there already. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, a bunch of other platforms, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast, a lot of cast. Um, but yeah, that'll be it for us. We'll see you in the next one and uh, stay safe out there. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus